Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Exert Breakthrough Laboratory podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Scott Steele, and I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Chung. Hey, everyone. And Armando Mastracci. Hello, everyone. All right, so today's uh, format's going to be a little bit different uh, than, than usual. Um, we actually had so many questions during our, uh, our earlier Christmas special Q&A that we decided to go back through and, and look at some of those uh, fan-voted questions and, and answer those in this podcast, so... Um, I did want to start out uh, by saying that if you do have any questions, if you're, if you're new to our system and you need help with something, we do have a full support page. It does have a search feature, uh, so you can search and try and find what you're trying to learn more about. Um, if you have a, a specific technical support issue or kind of like a conceptual question, uh, feel free to email our support line. Uh, it's uh, support at exertonline.com. Uh, we, we have people that would be willing to help you out there we have the link so if you're looking for the support page uh, if you log in to exertonline.com in the menu you'll have a little question mark with a link to the support page so once you go into the support home uh, you can just type in your whatever you're searching for we've got uh, blogs that are indexed so all the blogs that we've written we have some support articles to describe certain things we have FAQs that are indexed so uh, looking look through those FAQs and we also have a glossary of terms so uh, all the terms that you see all the new terms are all described within the glossary there as well yeah absolutely and most importantly we also have the exert community forum now on the uh, website so you we do have a uh, active kind of Facebook user group but we also have now this uh, directly on the website this exert community forum where it's kind of the interface is quite easy intuitive to use and you can have a lot of good threads on different questions so that's another great place to check in the past kind of what questions have been asked can be searched to and uh, a lot of times your questions may have already been answered but uh, so that's another great resource Absolutely, we've got a good we've got a good following there, and uh, we're we're getting more and more people that are starting to use that form as well. So it's good yeah. to see. And we've we had, have a YouTube channel too mm-hmm. with uh, Twitter. Yeah, and Ooh. and on Twitter, <laughs> and but the YouTube channel also has some good explanation videos too, and both how to use uh, different parts of Exert, and also um, you know a question we often get asked is focus. How do we use focus? And Scott was the. Uh, was the Vanna White on a, a <laughs> uh, episode all, all about how to use focus, yeah. kind of especially outdoors. So as an example, that's another venue. So YouTube, uh, Twitter, but especially the Exert Community Forum on the website, and uh, also Facebook, and just, yeah, so lots of different ways, but don't, don't feel shy about asking questions, and that's uh, because, if nothing else, it gives us more to talk about on podcasts. Absolutely. Free content for podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to get us started. Uh, I apologize in advance if I butcher anybody's names. I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can today. Uh, but our first question uh, ha- had several likes, and so it was uh, Stian uh, Leersveen. Uh, and so he is asking, uh, it's a very technical question, but... Uh, he's asking, how is XSSR calculated, and especially with a drawn-down MPA? Uh, he's asking, uh, does it does drawing down your MPA modify your fitness signature? Or uh, Armando, maybe you'd be able to briefly explain what's going on uh, with XSSR, especially as you start to pull that MPA down. Okay. Well, the first thing is, you know, do check our glossary. There is a glossary entry on XSSR with some charts and 
uh, and graphs and stuff like that that will help you understand when it comes to um, things like strain and things like uh, how strain is calculated. Because essentially what XSSR is, is your XSS rate. So, and it's basically an, an hourly rate. So if you are, um, uh, if your XSS is, um, uh, XSSR is let's say 100 and your MPA is fully recovered, that rate would be your threshold. Okay, or at least your threshold would mean a 100 XSSR uh, value. So that's how, that's what it means. Um, and so how is it calculated? Well, uh, like I said, if your MPA is fully recovered and you do a threshold ever, that would be 100. Uh, if your MPA comes down, then what happens is that you get, an you get additional credit for that uh, threshold effort. So as your MPA comes down, uh, your, uh, your rate increases. So um, I think it's, it's dependent, so the answer to that question is dependent on every person's signature. So everyone's gonna have a different calculation. Um, and I think you can, depending upon how far MPAs come down and what your signature is, you could end up with XSSR even at threshold into three or even over three to 400 range. So what that means is that if you're fully tired and MPAs come all the way down and you're still trying to hold threshold, that creates a lot more strain than if you're trying to hold threshold with MPA fully recovered. And it's totally intuitively makes sense, uh, obviously. You can you imagine it'd be much harder and more valuable to do um, uh, a threshold effort when your MPA is lower than versus when it's higher. Um, and so that's kind of the range. I think it's in the three to 400 range. You can use the, what's interesting is you can use the workout designer. You can go in there and say, okay, well, you know, what's, what's a 600 XSSR effort? And you'll see how much that is and how it changes over time. Because as your MPA comes down, you need less power to achieve the 600 XSSR. So what that'll look like, it'll look like a really high intensity sprint, but it'll rapidly approach. Correct. Your threshold as you hold that. No, but what's interesting to remember though is that, and I think this might answer some other questions we've had, is that the work allocation isn't fixed in an XSSR effort. So if you start off at, you know, at 800 watts, you're going to have a greater contribution to from your peak power in comparison to what the contribution will be from peak power as your as your power drops off. Closer to threshold. Closer so to threshold. when you start that high intensity effort, it's going to be a lot of peak, a lot of high, but the longer you hold that, it's going to be less high, less peak, and it's going to be more low strain. Correct. So because XSSR is an aggregate number of all your XSS, it's not just one XSS value, it's all three, that as that, as that effort changes, you get uh, a higher and higher strain placed on your lower on the lower, on the lower which is really interesting we talked about it in a couple of podcasts uh previously but um this is re this really explains why we might do some of the, our base intervals underneath that fatigue so if we can do a short 10 15 second sprint draw that mpa down and then ride uh near just below threshold because the mpa is drawn down that we're able to increase that strain rate on our low system. And so that's why uh, 
conversely to many other training programs you won't, where you won't see any of these peak power intervals, you might see some of that in your base phase uh, with exert. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to, we're using this mathematical principle to help improve uh, your base training. And, and it's, it's, you know, you, you, it, there's, it, there's a lot of, in, it intuitively makes sense, even though I think the science behind this is really hard to find, honestly. So our math suggests this, and I think most people will inherently or intuitively agree with the notion that as you body fatigue, you get more value from that effort in the fatigue state. And you, that must be true, otherwise we would never do interval training. Like you would never... You'd never hold power and have have your body weaken as you do them. You would just do them in a fresh state all the time. So there's this notion that whether you're weight training or endurance training or whatever training you're doing, that somehow the repetition, the ones where they're done where where you're weaker and are more valuable in terms of your overall benefit than the ones where you would, when when you did them fresh. So I think that's intuitively true. And so if that is true and you bring MPA down and then you go and you ride easy, that you're getting additional benefit from that effort in a fatigue state. Well, where does the benefit, has, where does it go to? I think the only logical place it would go to would have to be to that system that's in use. So, mm-hmm. so that's what EXERT does, is it makes this the most intuitively logical sense to, to do it that way. Um, although, honestly, there's very, very little information on this, on the, uh, uh, in the uh, in the literature, it seems to be um, not a, an area that's been explored in, in a great uh, in great amount of detail. That certainly hasn't been explored all that much. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe somewhat tangential, but I think it's related to it's a key measure of really your ability isn't necessarily just in pure numbers. So don't necessarily think of just uh, you know focusing on each week I gotta have higher numbers in whatever my intervals, my threshold power, HIE, whatever. It's um, it's also an equally important, if not more important, is repeatability. Is you know, and I'll go back and again I'm gonna reclaim uh, the Ronestad workouts from Armando who mm-hmm. stole it in a in another <laughs> podcast. But uh, one of the key measures I look at isn't just necessarily the power I can put out in each individual 30 second effort or even the average wattage that I can put out in that effort, but it's how repeatable I can be. Um, you know, I, I may be able to hit my normal power and kind of, but I might only be able to really draw my MPA down once. And then the second interval out of three, I may not be able to draw it down nearly as much because, and then the third one might even be lower. Whereas, um, you know, so, you know, kind of in terms of my breakthrough, I may have hit my breakthrough in the first one, may have reset everything first one, and that's great. But I would, another thing I would look for is, can I draw my MPA down, not just in the first time when I'm fresh, but in the second interval and again in the third interval, uh, that shows me that you, you not only have kind of that depth of fitness, but you also have that breadth and that really, really broad fitness that you can hit the same effort over and over and over again. And, um, you know, we know that's what happens with pros too, right? It's not just 
that they can hit these higher power outputs, but they can do it at the end of a five hour race on the last climb. They can still draw their MPA down. They can still hit these high wattage levels. So don't always be, you know, in terms of XSSR, where it comes really useful is really looking at the difficulty score and which is really a reflection of the XSSR. And uh, so one of the things I look for is you know long term not just what power i can hit but how many times can i do you know this effort over and over again while drawing my mpa down i think that's a really critical aspect that we often ignore because we're always just chasing higher numbers right and i that, i think that's such an important point and uh, i think you know there's gonna be some other questions we'll probably answer along this along the lines of you know what aspects um, can influence your ability to kind of produce numbers. Maybe we'll just hang on for. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring up, um, and one of them is it's actually more of a, a technical, like fun feature with Exert. But uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, if you go to your XPMC chart uh, on your main page, you'll notice that all of your breakthroughs are they're the circles, they're colored. So uh, bronze is you you increased one fitness signature parameter. Silver you increased two. A gold breakthrough you you improved all three. What you also notice, and kind of what Stephen was talking about before, is that the the size of the breakthrough is actually depicted by the size of the circles on your chart. And so, um, in, in Stephen's example earlier, if you're able to go hard and really deep on that first interval, and you just nab that breakthrough right at the end, you might get a small circle uh, indicating that you were near your limit for uh, what we call maximal effort time. You were only near there for maybe 20 seconds or so. Um, versus what he was describing in the third one, if you're able to pull that MPA down repeatedly, uh, what you might find is that you'll have a much larger circle. You might see uh, on some of my uh, Ronastaz mm -hmm. workouts, I've seen maximal effort times north of three minutes. Uh, so <laughs> being able, one, being able to see the difference between the, like those cheeky breakthroughs where, okay, you mm -hmm. hit your top number, but it was two or three seconds. Uh, versus being able to really draw that MPA down and hold it and get those huge maximal effort times. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention while we were talking about it is not only looking at the, like the average power, the, the XEP uh, of those intervals while you're doing those Ronestads, but looking at that difficulty score, which you mentioned is, is kind of a, a weighted average of that XSSR. Um, I like to, my goal for the Ronestad, I got to get to difficulty level chung. I got to get to, <laughs> I got to get that 150 difficulty or it's not a good day. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I just wanted to kind of re, re or confirm what Steven was saying before, where the absolute numbers themselves aren't the most important, but also maybe being able to keep an eye on that difficulty as well kind of gives us an idea of. Uh, how deep you're able to hold those numbers. You know, I, I think we've, I've had some discussions with coaches, and that's one of the things that they see in Exert that's really unique and really informative is when they start looking at their athletes, you know, which of their athletes are capable of really digging and achieving those higher difficulty scores. Because that's usually a, an indication just how, how much they are, are prepared to suffer and really give up for whatever their own effort or for the team. Um, it's uh, it's really a, 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 the characteristic of a, a champion is, is someone who can really show and and perform under great duress, and that's reflected in the uh, in the difficulty score. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, I wanted to uh, dig into another question here. Uh, that was great discussion there. Uh, but I did want to get to a question that uh, was brought up by Rich Burton. And he was asking about the, the toughness descriptions and uh, why he can do, let's say, one VO2 max interval, 8 by 5 at 105%, which he says feels very difficult uh, and exert uh, categorizes as a moderate workout. Uh, while doing a different VO2 workout like 3015s or kind of like Ramistad's um, where the total work duration might be shorter and it might feel easier to him but exert gave it a harder difficulty score. So kind of what's the what's the difference between those kind of near threshold efforts versus those those short on off style intervals? So it's it's you know the, the what what's what we know is true is that your MPA only comes down above threshold. Now we get questions about that too. Like how come I was whole threshold and my MPA didn't come down? Well, it's kind of by definition. That's where this whole system kind of works out is what is this threshold number above which your MPA comes down and below which it doesn't. That's really what a threshold becomes defined as, not your one hour power or anything like that. It's this number that affects MPA when you go above it. And so, if MPA isn't being affected, then you really can't, you know, you, you, you get an acceleration of strain when your MPA comes down. So if you hold these long efforts without really affecting your MPA, it feels hard, but you're not mathematically anyways generating a lot of strain. So um, whereas if you're doing shorter efforts, you can bring down MPA and you can sort of get more bang for that buck, right? So that's how it works mathematically. Um, you know, you could argue that there's some kind of physiology behind this in that, you know, as you as you accumulate lactate, right, then the lactate becomes a fuel source and that it becomes perhaps a little bit easier to sustain efforts as you accumulate more and more lactate. So I don't I don't necessarily want to claim that's what's the what principle applies here, but you could imagine that could be the potentially the case is why you gain more strain from the shorter kind of Tabata type of efforts where you get more value from them and they and they are easier relative to the amount of strain generated than kind of longer held efforts. So it's, it's a hard question to answer, but maybe that's about the best way I could answer it, I think. Yeah. But there's also specificity involved in terms of your, uh, you know, your de desired event. If you are a, you know, cross racer as opposed to a 40K time trialist or an Olympic triathlete, the effort may still be roughly an hour, but again, it's night and day different in terms of how it, um, how you have to work in order to succeed. So um, there's certainly some, probably a personal preference in physiology. Is it nature or nurture? I know, for example, I much, much prefer the Tabata on-off type efforts as a holding the same wattage kind of for the same period of time, same average wattage. Um, just mentally, I find it a lot tougher, but you know, like it or not, if I was to become a 40K time trial specialist, you know, I can't just be doing Tabata type on-off efforts day after day in my training because it's not going to get me attuned to that same kind of in-race effort. So that's where you have to be really specific, know what the demands of your event is going to be and tailor your training appropriately. 
And again, if you're going to be a 40k time trialist, you're going to be doing a lot of sub threshold power type efforts with kind of that on off crisscross type intervals of over under just right around your threshold because that's going to be physiologically very beneficial, but also, you know, that's going to be very much simulating what you're doing in race. Whereas, you know, that kind of effort has some value for a cyclocross racer, but they're going to be going at the really, really high efforts. Or if you're a crit racer, same thing, really high efforts. And also uh, pair that with kind of off periods. And to be even more specific, if you are a crit racer versus a, a cross racer, you know, again, the on-off efforts may be roughly similar in terms of the wattages, but even then the cadence and the gearing you're going to be doing them in is going to be night and day different. The crit racer is going to be in a relatively smaller gear and going at much higher RPMs during the on efforts, whereas the cross racer, they may be going at a dead stop coming out of a out of a 180 turn and then just have to suddenly go from a really high gear, low cadence burst of three to five seconds. So you have to be really specific ultimately in what you're your training and understand both the physiology and the demands and also the neuromuscular demands too. Okay, that was awesome. Uh, the next question that, that I wanted to bring up, uh, maybe it's uh, more for you here, Armando. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one that we see a lot uh, mm -hmm. and it has to do with what we would call endurance energy. And, and essentially the, the question is, um, can we work on some algorithm that takes account uh, MPA drop during endurance rides, uh, during those longer three, four, five hour rides or uh, longer activities? Yeah, that's, um, that's a big question. You know, it's a question we see quite often. And I, you know, we, we talked about just, you know, just, we were just talking about how um, your threshold is defined as this point at which MPA doesn't come down and then uh, when you're below it and then MPA will draw down as you go above this value. So um, what becomes apparent, uh, at least for a lot of people who use the system, is that as you're riding and you're into going deeper and deeper into a ride, it becomes more difficult to see MPA come down. And when the way to conceptualize this would be, okay, what would what would happen if I did a 20-minute FTP test after five hours of riding? You wouldn't expect yourself to be able to achieve the same 20-minute power as you would at the beginning of that ride. And so, in essence, it's the same thing that's happening. You can't, it's hard for you to imagine your ability, your threshold value to be the same after five hours as, as compared to at the very beginning of the ride. So you would think that your signature variables what we say they erode, that's the word I've used, over time. So they start, they may start at 250 at the beginning of the ride, and then by the end, they may have come down quite a bit. And now, how much do they come down? Because, so if you think about it, if they come down, that means that my MPA will come down with harder efforts. So you'll see a greater fluctuation in MPA later in the ride if your signature values are lower. I know it's kind of hard to imagine that, but that's conceptually kind of what's happening. So if, if MPA is not moving, it's because you just can't hit efforts above it. 
and it may be because your numbers have come down. So how are we modeling, how can we model your signature changes over longer efforts? Well, it's, that's not that's easy. A, that's a tough question. <laughs> so, that's, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, how, how would you, you know, it's hard enough just to get your signature right for a lot of situations. What's my threshold right now? You're running all these tests just to figure out what your threshold is today let alone what your threshold would be interactively after three hours of riding. And how were those three hours noodling for three hours? Or were the three hours <laughs> just under threshold? Were you eating? Were you hydrating? There are a lot of factors. There's all, you know, is your butt hurting? You know, like there's, there's so many things that could prevent you from achieving your peak power value. So what's one thing about exert is we're giving you what we think are your, your peak power values over over like what you can do at, at a maximum level. Okay, what would your MPA be if every, all your systems were firing perfectly? That's what MPA in your signature represents. What is that signature in five hours time? Well, what's amazing to see is that if you're a pro and you're a talented pro, that signature remains fairly resilient over very, very long rides. And that's probably a combination of the fact that they are trained to do that but also that relative to their own fitness and their signature, their power demands for the five hours aren't really drawing upon the reserves they need to sustain that their, their signature values. So they've got kind of a greater buffer to work with because their numbers are higher to start with. So they're not using up kind of maybe the glycogen resources, the things that may impact their ability to kind of sustain that, that power. Um, not, so not to mention that they have a car that follows them around and gives them food to eat. And gives them food to eat. <laughs> I wish I could get that. <laughs> yeah, and so um, and so that's really the the key there is that there are the variables that might erode their signature. They've been able to either train with that and improve that through nutrition and through their their feeding. Yeah. Um, one thing uh, you, you briefly mentioned it before, but I, I did want to come back to it. Uh, you pose the question, what do they decay to? And I think we've at least got to start to an idea of, of what they might decay to uh, with the lower threshold power, um, which is essentially, uh, I think we've talked about this previously in one of the older podcasts, mm -hmm. but uh, essentially lower threshold power is more or less an artifact of the relationship between uh, threshold power, HIE, and peak power. And so what we expect to see is that... Um, if, if we have this fourth parameter, endurance energy, and as you ride longer and you start to use that endurance energy up, we expect your threshold power to start decreasing. And where is it gonna stop decreasing at? It's what we would expect your lower threshold power to be. Um, and so what, what your lower threshold power is, other than a really good way to, to define your workouts by, but it essentially allows us to predict where we think uh, your threshold power would decay to even after a very long ride. And so what you'll find is that holding LTP when you're fresh might be relatively easy, whereas holding LTP at the end of a five-hour ride uh, may feel just like holding a threshold effort when you're fresh. Yeah, there's some interesting physiology that you could explain this with, right? You can say if, if LTP is somewhat synonymous with your first lactate threshold, then... It's, and if you think about what's going to erode your uh, signature parameters over a long ride, well, it's likely going to be because of the depletion of the glycogen in your system. That as your glycogen depletes, you don't have the same energy sources to be able to achieve these supra-threshold efforts, 
right? That's kind of what above threshold means. You're using a, you're using these resources to to produce more power. So you could kind of conceivably imagine where these kind of where these numbers align because if your first lactate threshold is really where you start to accumulate lactate from the use of glycogen and aerobic resources that as those become depleted eventually that's about as hard as you can go so in theory that would be a kind of like a theoretical limit and so in principle this kind of makes sense and that's kind of where um, that's where we establish your LTP to be is where the theoretical limit of having no more resources available for high intensity and when you're all you have left is is low intensity capacity and remember the other thing in addition to glycogen and possibly glycogen sparing is that we have different types of muscles in our body we have type 1 slow twitch kind of re fatigue resistant muscles we have type 2 and we also have type 2a kind of an intermediate but the type 2 is the fast twitch the really fast fatiguing but high power very glycolytic uh, type of muscles so you know the other reason besides glycogen uh, kind of fatigue is that if you were riding a 200 watts at the start and 200 watts after five hours the proportion of muscles of type 1 versus type 2 muscles that you're doing will probably be altering you'll be relying more on type 2 muscle fibers which are fast fatiguing to generate that 200 watts and the difference between a really highly trained uh, pro and versus you know a five-star fitness person versus a one-star fitness is they may both be able to generate 200 watts um, but you know at the end of five hours of riding that five-star fitness pro is still almost using 100 percent or the vast majority is still relying on slow twitch so their slow twitch muscle fiber doesn't fatigue nearly as much both metabolically in terms of glycogen use but also just as the muscle itself in terms of getting fatigued so they that's why they don't degrade kind of their fitness signature or their threshold power nearly as much and they can still generate that uh, high wattage at the end of a race because their type 2 fibers essentially are still fresh, right? Well, as opposed to a one-star fitness person who, you know, their, their low, their slow twitch fibers would be completely fatigued and they're already maxing out also their type 2 fast twitch fibers at the same time at that same five-hour point. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to answer that question, you know, I think it's something we want to model. We actually have a way, obviously we have LTP, we kind of understand, or we have a, a way in which we've interpreted that decay or de the, sorry, the eroding of the degrading of that signature over, over a long period. If you think about it mathematically though, it, it's, it's really hard, uh, right? Uh, because you don't have one value for threshold. You have a value for threshold every second. You don't have one HIE value. You have a value for HIE every second of every ride of every second. So it's, it becomes very difficult. So you achieve a breakthrough. Well, what changed? Did you just did you just eat better? Right? Was your fueling better, and you were able to get a breakthrough, or is it because you really had an increase in your numbers? So these become challenges. Uh, and so, like I said, it's something we want to tackle. 
but it's not a simple thing to tackle. I, I think our users just have very high expectations for us. <laughs> we, we can exactly predict the power that you can generate yeah. during like relatively mm. short races, and now yeah. they just they just demand more. They want more. They, yeah, they, they want, they want yeah, better. Yeah. So so that probably is a good segue into another question, which seems to be all of common theme uh, the questions of why on earth am i getting tired but uh <laughs> this one was from the community forum from brandon weil w-e-i-l hopefully i got that right but he's essentially asking he was on a fast lunch ride and he got popped after about 20 minutes and he's wondering why when he's looking at his file when he got popped that his power and mpa kind of didn't coincide uh, so he's wondering what's going on. Is there, you know, he feels he still has some, you know, according to Exert's model, there's still capacity to still go harder. Why did he get dropped? And uh, Brandon, I've been there myself, um, and it's not an uncommon occurrence. Um, and that there's a lot of reasons why you may not be able to match, achieve a breakthrough, in other words, in terms of matching a your current power with the MPA at any particular point in time when you're going really hard. And we've talked about some of them. It could be glycogen stores. And in this case, you said you were out for a fast lunch ride. So maybe you hadn't been eating. Maybe you also skipped breakfast and uh, you were busy at work and you just, you know, obviously skipped lunch to go on the ride. And so maybe you hadn't been fueling enough and your glycogen stores were low so that could be certainly be one possibility and uh, another possibility could be whether it's positioning in the pack uh, the cadence we've kind of talked about in an earlier question whether you were kind of over geared and just couldn't generate the power uh, so there's a whole host of questions but I guess it comes down to and again Scott and Armando feel free to jump in but really you know the exert model is saying what you're physically is predicting what you're physically capable of in terms of your ceiling but you know whether you're able to achieve that ceiling is uh you know is another matter and there's a lot of situational factors that may play into it it could also be and we talked about this before in the difficulty and the toughness right so if your difficulty rating was really high maybe you weren't ready to deal with that uh, and or maybe it is really kind of that difficulty scores way above your current pay grade right now and that's the reason why you couldn't express in a sense your true capacity because the race just got too hard mm -hmm. and i've seen it too again as an example um you know there was one race i've seen this exact pattern where i actually reached my mpa kind of part way through the race and it was on really rough kind of continuing rollers and looking back at the file that was exactly the point where i was just so close to getting popped and i was just hanging on to by the skin of my teeth but i barely hung on and then i recovered my mpa looking at that file went back up and then the next time kind of around about 20 minutes later when the next big selection came up and another set of rollers uh you know my mpa started drawing down but then eventually i got popped and again my mpa did not reach what my current power was at the point i got dropped so you know for me that would be an example of whether again i was under fueled and i was you know my glycogen stores were low i was more reliant on fast twitch fibers which weren't ready 
uh, or again, whether it's cadence, but again, also the difficulty was a lot harder because I was already so strained from that earlier attempt. And that goes back again to my question, my response to an earlier one in this podcast, talking about the depth of, of um, kind of one way to really evaluate yourself. It's not just how your peak power is at any one time, kind of in an interval, but how often you can do the interval. So again, you know, that's probably another possibility for why, why that happened. Yeah. And I think some other things to think about could be, uh, how is, how was your night of sleep last night? Did you, were you lying awake? Did, did you get a good night's sleep? Are you stressed from work? You got a big project that you're working on, stressed about school, stressed about graduating on time, <laughs> maybe, um, uh, how, how fatigued were you when you started? Were you already at yellow stars when you started? Like there's, there's certainly a lot of things to think about. Um, do you need to lie on the couch and tell us a few things, Scott? Yes. <laughs> I wonder what's on my mind. There's, um, well, there's the obvious one too, that a lot of people just, you know, don't always think about. And that is, is your power meter data right or is your signature right so if you if you just came off of the indoor trainer and you're using your 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 trainer power and then you got this huge breakthrough in your indoor trainer and then you go outside and you can't get your breakthrough and you're on a different power meter well you have to think about that so do you need to you know consider an adjustment in your signature because you've changed environment so you may want to think okay this is this power is less power coming from my power tap hub than that comes from my you know my kicker trainer and so i need to adjust it so you can adjust it by adjusting your signature in that ride afterwards post hoc um you're different you may want to adjust the other ride that you did on the trainer what have you but there that could be a factor as well and that we see quite often especially now in these environments where people are on their indoor trainer or now they're on one power meter on one bike or on another power meter on another bike and so you can't you can end up seeing these um you know these these small variations and depending actually one thing i'll add is that depending upon how you're riding those variations can play a huge role so as an example if you're riding near threshold and you have a there's variation in your power from your power meters then like you know one one case your mpa is coming down and in the other case it's not moving so so you have to think about that as well mm -hmm. i would just like to point out that the two physiologists try and explain it via the human body mm -hmm. and we have the engineer over here who's trying to say <laughs> it's a hardware issue it's a hardware issue <laughs> yeah and i guess just also reflecting on that too is um you know again doing scott's study right now we were doing a bunch of tests of me riding at 228 watts for as long as i can versus 232 watts it was on the exact same bike it's the velotron well calibrated and accurate and repeatable but you know at those near threshold levels every watt you know counts and Again, at 228 watts, my tolerance time was around, 20, was it 28, 27, 20, 27 yeah. 28 minutes. And, and uh, whereas at 232, only four watts higher, um, it was at about 18 minutes. So it's, you know, if your power meter isn't calibrated uh, properly, if it's offset or, you know, if you're suddenly switching between power meters, that can have a huge effect on you know, how this one 
one uh, effort felt and whether you actually achieve a breakthrough or not. So you know, I've said this before in other podcasts, but if you know that you have a good chance of doing a breakthrough, uh, make sure your your power meter is calibrated. Ideally, be using the same one. Don't be jumping on different bikes and and uh, different complete power meters and make sure you use, use zero it according to manufacturer kind of uh, regulations or procedures. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it's remarkable that we can detect those differences in hardware based on the <laughs> software. Like that's, that's mind boggling. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to add to that? No, I, no. I, All right. Um, I'm going to jump on to our uh, next question here. Um, it's a bit more on the technical side, but I think it's a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. Bim Tell wants to know, how can we tell the uh, low XSS of a particular workout? What are the other types of XSS? And are the workouts broken down on that basis? And, uh, uh, well, actually, you looked like you wanted that. Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's a good question. Good, great question. And, you know, we've got, we've got several places on the system where we, uh, we can show you this low XSS. So one thing I'll just say beforehand is that, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of complexity in all this. And so we haven't surfaced all that complexity at every stage. I know there's a lot of users that are, they want to see all the numbers. They want to see where all this stuff is kind of made up from. And so part of this, part of what we want to do is not to make the system as complicated as trying to manage three dimensions at the same time. So that's part of the reason why you're not going to see a lot of these numbers exposed very readily but they do exist on the system so if you go into the the workout designer so if you're planning on doing a workout and you go into the workout design you'll see there the contribution of the three systems low high and peak you'll see all the XSS values there Uh, you also see the work contribution just in terms of overall stress and kilojoules so that might be relevant Um, you'll see how those numbers are reflected in the focus and specificity. So you'll see that in the workout design. It'll tell you what that what it means from a focus for you, as well as what it means from a specificity. Yeah, and so I think uh, going back just a little bit, he's asking, are there other types of XSS? Uh, we have low, high, and peak XSS. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the three of those together, when you combine them, are what gives us the focus and the specificity value for the workout. Correct. And so. Um, you can find those in the workout designer. Um, you can also find them in the activity uh, tables. So if you go to activity table and there's a, a button to click to show the different columns, but you'll actually find an LXSS, uh, HXSS, and PXSS. Mm-hmm. So you can see the low, high, and peak XSS for all of your activities, not just your workouts, right. uh, which might be uh, interesting for you. Uh, something else cool is we had a challenge at the beginning of December, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. where the goal was to maximize the amount of low XSS that you could get in a one-hour workout. Um, and I know we've talked about it in previous podcasts, uh, but check out our uh, shared workout community. I think those got added to uh, to the shared workout community, so you can find those there as well. Yeah, And, that and used... the winner was about, what, 97? No, no 92? 92. 92? That's, 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 pretty... <laughs> that's a tremendous amount of mm-hmm. low XSS in, in one hour. And yeah. the difficulty was two and, two and a half stars? It was had to be under, it had to be, I think, under two and a half stars. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one other one that I wanted to bring up here. Um, and it's from Joel Slezak. 
and he's asking uh, ride. He's asking about rides with starts and stops, and he's asking about rides that have stops in the middle. It says that exert is including this time in the duration of the ride. Now, should that be included as part of the analysis, and and why do you think so? Well, yeah, we get this question all the time, especially because people come from different environments, different software systems that don't include these stoppages in their in their totals. Um, the first thing I'll say is that. Well, we include the stoppages because we have several, we have both difficulty score and MPA that are, get recharged when you're stopped. So we need to account for that recharging the, or sorry, difficulty will decline and MPA will recharge when you're stopped. So we include those stoppages, but just the whole principle of auto pause on and off is little one that's you know, I'm not sure people really understand what's happening when you turn auto pause on. So I'll give an example of of kind of what auto pause can do. So if you're stopped, then auto pause will kick on and you're not recording. So really auto pause is looking at your movement, generally relative to GPS. So if you're moving, it's going to record. And if you're not moving, it's going to pause. So assuming that you know you go to a stop, a coffee stop, you're stopped, you're not going to record. But if you come to a stoplight, it's going to you know eventually it's going to stop recording because you're not moving. So if you you know you know conceivably are at the stoplight, and then you know you start recording your workout, so you're start you're just starting, and then you sprint 600 watts to the next stoplight, and then you stop there, wait for the light to turn green again. Then it turns green. Then you sprint to the next light. You stop there and then you wait for that light to turn green again. So you've got these 600 watt efforts, one minute 600 watt, and you got 10 of them. So you've, you've been riding now for 10 minutes and your average is 600 watts. Well, that's because you've got auto pause on and you're not including the brakes. Like, so, so Exert has to put in those brakes because your MPAs come down so that you can achieve that next power. And your average power isn't 600 watts, it's actually the average over that period. So you've got to include these brakes to really make sense of your overall uh, overall ride. Now people will say, well, yeah, but I don't want to include my coffee stop. You know, I'm spending you know, three, you know, 30 minutes. Why is my average power going to come down? It's not really reflective of my average power. So, so you can you really, you can say, well, if you're going to stop for 30 minutes, well, hit the pause button if you want then. And then you obviously you can see the average in that uh, during the ride. But in the end, the average power is the average power for that ride. We don't we don't make up what should be counted and what shouldn't be counted. We just count everything. I mean, that's the default approach. Now, you could conceivably make an argument for when a pause should or not be included or should be included, and we can get into a whole bunch of arguments on what should and Philosoph- should not. Philosophical arguments. Yeah, so we don't get into that. We just count all the data. And then, okay, mm-hmm. and if you don't like the fact that your average power is 130 because you took a one-hour break, you know, and you think your average power should be higher, well... Yeah, sorry. It's just we're just going to report it. If you want to feel better about having a bigger number, then you know, I don't know, maybe split the recording into two. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're we're just not going to do that for you. Yeah, I mean, conceptually, what's happening is if you had auto pause on with Armando's example, it's let's say that's six hundred watts for one minute drained your MPA down to four hundred. You know, if you hit auto pause, it's essentially saying you wait around for a minute for the light. And when you start start again, you're at 400 MPA still. You know, is that really? No, you've sat around. I mean, that's what you're doing if you conceptually, if you hit auto pause. 
Whereas in reality, you've been resting, recovering for a minute, and and uh, you know your MPA has actually you know recovered somewhat. So so you know that's why you are kind of in a sense, if we didn't put in kind of if exert didn't after the fact kind of try to spread out those efforts based on your time, you know you would end up with in essence a much harder kind of workout than what you actually did because you had those breaks. Yeah, it just seems a little bit arbitrary to have an average power that's dependent upon when you get these these kind of, you know, points at which you're not moving. Mm-hmm. You know, so, okay, so if I was moving, they count, but if they am not moving, they don't count. It's, it's, it just seems a little bit arbitrary to some, to some degree. And then if you're not, you don't have GPS on, well, then what do you do then if you're indoors? So it's there's such a there's so there's too many points of discrepancy uh, that you know we just avoid all that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then probably the final question for today uh, it's from John Hallis, and he's kind of asking obviously for a deep dive, and we'll go into that more possibly in a future podcast. But the question really is kind of the planner what. What should you use it for? You know, the calendar view. What 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 is it good for and what are things you can do with it? So I'll start and I think one of the really unique things is its predictive power uh, as as a coach or a self-coached athlete or as a scientist, it allows me to try different potential kind of training ideas and see what effect it has on whether it's myself or a coached athlete without kind of the actual trial and error and the risk of of implementing that training plan on that athlete or on yourself so you can try what would happen if i did you know kind of five hard hard efforts over the course of a week what is that going to do to my fitness signature what's it going to do to my recovery uh, what's it going to do to my form, my fitness, all of these things without actually trying to risk it on yourself? You know, so, you know, as a, as a practical example, if you know you, for example, have a week coming up where you suddenly have all this free time and where you can ride as much as you want, you want to get the best bang for your buck, you can try out whether do I want to do, you know, five hard efforts over this course of a week or do I want to just you know put on lots and lots and lots of kind of uh, time on the bike so you can try all these different things you can try okay what if I did a hard ride on Monday Tuesday how's that going to affect the rest of my week and uh, when can I go hard again so you can do all these self experiments on yourself without kind of the risk of actually trying and also the time involved in actually trying all these different ideas so that's one of the things i feel the planner is super useful for you can just drag and drop uh, workouts in um, and or also prior activities so you know okay every tuesday i'm doing the doing the club kind of hammer ride how's that going to affect me and uh, you compare that with okay what if i want to try to do a hard effort the day after now how is that going to affect me so you can do all these self experiments on it and get at least a very good solid idea of how is that going to affect all of your fitness your fitness signature everything yeah so you can do things like you can have a look at your stats page on the my fitness to see 
you know, including those the future activities. The other thing that you can do is, so if you've mapped out, let's say, you know, I'm going to do all the, you know, for the next three weeks, I'm going to do these workouts. So, you know, it's not something we advocate. We always say, you know, let's say only plan for a couple of weeks in advance. But let's say you just want to see what would happen. Like do a what if, what if scenario. So you go in and say, okay, I'm going to focus on, you know, these types of workouts for the next three weeks. You go to the last activity or you go, if it's your race, for example, you click on that and it's planned. Then you can click on the actual, say open the activity. So if you're in the planner, you, you click on it and then you say open the activity. It'll actually show you what the signature will be on that date. So you can then say, oh, okay, so look at that. Looks like my threshold gone up or my HA's gone down or what have you as a result of that training. So that's a little trick you can play is just to click on that that activity and sort of examine its, its signature to see what, the, what, what that would be relative to where you are now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about another useful feature, uh, kind of an applied moving, moving forward scenario um, in, in the last uh, podcast, but it's all about, uh, it's all about using it for the taper uh, for me. So uh, like I mentioned there, I, I like going for my target event day. And then when I'm about two weeks out, I'll start working backwards from my target event day, selecting workouts. And so that it, it just allows me to make sure that I arrive at that target event day as fresh as I can possibly be without losing too much fitness in those couple weeks going up there. Yep. So there's, there's certainly a lot of valuable tools uh, or valuable applications for that fitness planner. There's one thing I'll add is, the, is it's always good to look historically as well. So one thing that I do make a habit of is I'll open up the planner and then I'll go back in time. So I'll, I'll look at my previous and I just I'll comb through and I'll make sure that my, my usual activity time is set correctly. So that's one thing I think a lot of users lose sight of is what's their usual activity time? Because that, that time that's on the page or at the top of the page reflects when the stars are calculated. So the colors of the stars are calculated as of that time. So if the user activity time is set to, let's say 4 p.m. and you do all your rides in the morning, then all the colors will be after your ride. I don't typically do that. I like to understand where my fitness was before my ride. So I'll tend to set my usual, when I'm doing this examination, I will set my usual activity time to let's say 4 a.m. So I know that I won't do anything below before 4 a.m. So on every day I'll see where my fitness was prior to any, any training that I did on that particular day. And at that point, I start to look for trends and sort of patterns. If I'm seeing a lot of yellow, then I'm kind of know I'm I'm hurting. You know, I've got to I've got to find some time. It's, assuming it's recent, and I'll have to find some time to take some time off. Uh, if I'm seeing a lot of blue or green, I know that obviously I'm not training enough. So you know, I want to see a good mix of both blue and yellow and and the occasional red. And then I know I'm kind of kind of training at the at sort of my optimal level yeah i was gonna kind of mention that exact point is it's great for historical analysis too because like you were just saying armando if um you have a long period of time where all you are training at and your form continues to be blue day after day after day you're just not pushing yourself as effectively as if you had a mix of blue then to yellow where you're a little bit fatigued and then you draw back to blue kind of for a few days back to yellow again then you're really kind of pushing your envelope of what you can handle as opposed to if you were blue or green all the time then you were never really straining yourself that much 
you know, and you're essentially kind of wasting days or you're not being as efficient overall in terms of that month of training when you probably could have handled a lot more and pushed yourself a lot harder. Obviously, there's time constraints and stuff too, but all else being equal, uh, you know, if I was working with an athlete, I would want to be seeing during the during the base and the build phase, you know, continuous rotation of blue, yellow, maybe one or two times of red, you know, and kind of a sprinkle all through as opposed to just a monotonic uh, blue or worse yet, a monotonic, uh, you know, yellow or mm-hmm. things. So, so that's another way you can look back. There's also other things you can look at is like, what was my focus kind of each week? What was the bulk of my training? And if you know you want to get to a breakaway kind of specialist on your competition day, then you know you want to be, you know, as the weeks go on, you want to be getting, certainly in the build phase, you want to be getting more and more towards kind of those efforts. That's where your focus duration should be kind of for the weeks leading up to it. Absolutely. That's right. And you'll find that focus duration under the uh, weekly stats page of the right. fitness planner. Yep. So. Um, no, that was that was excellent. Yeah. Um, we really like answering these questions, uh, and and we hope that people continue to submit them. Uh, we'll try and host these uh, Q and A podcasts uh, on a semi regular basis. Uh, Want to make sure that we uh, keep answering those popular fan questions, and and it's it's really fun for us to interact with the community as well. So uh, keep those questions coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I think that's everything. Yeah, and uh, you know, don't be shy to send an email out to us or or post something on the forum. Especially if you think the question is something that you know other people can benefit from, then um, yeah, do try and post it on the forum. That way, when we answer it for you, everyone else gets the benefit of seeing that answer as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Ciao, everyone.